Welcome to the Daughters Project Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Join us this season as the sisters gather around the mics to share their experiences of God's love through the lens of His sacred word. You can find out more about our work at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. I'm Sister Julie Benedicta. I'm Sister Oriane Pietro Renee. And today we have a special guest with us. I'm Sister Allison Regina. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and today we're going to do the first episode of the season according to kind of like the format we've been working on setting up. So yeah. Sister Oriane is going to share with us one of her favorite quotes, topics, um, lines from St. Paul. And we're going to break that open a little bit. Get ready. Yeah. And <laughs> Sister Allison Regina is here to kind of help us break that open to kind of fill out the conversation a little bit more. And just because one of our goals was actually to have as many of our sisters on this season as we could. So Yeah. And it deepens the conversation so much. It does. <laughs> we'll so see we're... about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're excited to um, have you get to know her. But we also realized that while I've been on the podcast many times before, Sister Oriane has not. So you actually don't know her that well yet. <laughs> So I wanted to give her a chance to kind of introduce herself, um, talk a little bit about where you're from, sister, and maybe some things that interest you, some maybe. Sure. A little background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, my name is Sister Oriane Pietro-Rene. I am originally from Canada. So I was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Any Prairie kids? Hi. And <laughs> I moved with my family to Ontario when I was seven. Um, it was the same year as the ice storm in Ottawa. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, it was horrible. <laughs> and um, I grew up there in Ontario, and that's actually where I converted to Catholicism. So I come from a super um, multicultural and multi-faith home. I was baptized in the United Church of Canada, so um, I was being raised Protestant, more or less. And uh, my mom's family was Druze, which is it's an offshoot of Islam. So there was a lot going on there and definitely made for a really rich uh, journey <laughs> to, to the Catholic faith. Um, yeah, and I was a teacher for five years before I entered the convent. So I, I taught French. Um, and yeah, I guess that's... I don't know. <laughs> That's like baseline my life. <laughs> and you just made profession how long ago? Not five months. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the two of you together, right? Yeah. July. So you... July of 2021. Yep. All right. So you spent the first years of formation kind of together. We did. I technically entered five or six months before you did. Oriane. Yeah. So I've been here longer, but yes, mostly <laughs> we've been together. <laughs> yeah. Um, so those of you who maybe have spent some time around our sisters might know that our co-novices tend to be people that we can kind of um, razz a little bit <laughs> or uh, also just kind of enter into deeper conversations with just because we have that experience of formation together. So it's fun mm -hmm. to have co-novices on the episode together. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so actually, maybe, Sister Allison, since you're here, and since no one knows you either. <laughs> <laughs> so mysterious. I know. <laughs> These co-novices. Um, maybe could you just, like, introduce yourself super briefly, too? Sure. So my name is Sister Allison Regina, 
And I grew up in a military family, bouncing all over the place. Um, so my family finally settled down in Northern Virginia, which is where I went to high school and college. And that was where I met the Daughters of St. Paul. And at the time, I really did not want to be a nun. I <laughs> tried to avoid them, actually. <laughs> but in the end, really... Um, Falling in love with Jesus and deepening my faith life led me to realize that being a nun is actually not the worst thing that could happen to me. It's actually <laughs> the best thing that could happen to me. And so um, five years ago now, five or six years, I entered the Daughters of St. Paul, and I've been here ever since, hanging out with Sister Orion, <laughs> learning lots about Jesus, and very excited to be here today. Yay. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah. I love how so many of our sisters, like some of them are like from like their childhood, wow, being a nun would be the most beautiful thing. And some of us were like, yeah. Yeah. When, when priests used to like give homilies about vocations and stuff, I would be the one like trying to hide under the pew. <laughs> like, Don't look at me. It's not me. It's not me. <laughs> yeah. The first time I ever met a daughter of St. Paul and like thought that she was kind of cool, I made sure not to be in the same room with her the entire rest of that weekend. <laughs> like, this cannot just happen at a conference. Yeah, yeah. Like, and and I just have to make sure that we are as far apart as possible so it doesn't like rub off on me or something. Yeah. We'll see how that worked out. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's you know. true. There's so many unexpected things in our life. And I think, too, like even people looking in, there's a lot of unexpected things that we kind of are able to show about religious life. And in the in the context of our charism, actually, one of them is things like being on podcasts and being <laughs> on YouTube because this is part of our mission. Um, we we live in a media in the media culture and we bring Christ to those places. Mm -hmm. And something really cool about that, even within the convent, is because we're called to the media culture and to be um, especially the sisters of people who produce media and who consume media. Um, we have a lot of very media related conversations and we like do. experiences. Um, so that was something we were hoping to show to share with you um, all a little bit at the beginning of each episode before we jump into the scripture verses, because all of our prayer and all of our reflection, we bring that also to our media experience, mm -hmm. um, even though often those media experiences will start as something fun and something communal. So, yeah, we're going to have like a little content in the convent, little check in at the beginning of every episode. So maybe for this one, I'm going to ask Sister Allison, is there anything that you have like watched or read or listened to media wise that you'd like to share? Uh, well, several of us together, I think everyone actually on this podcast right now <laughs> has been watching Hawkeye as it's been streaming on Disney Plus. And so that's the Marvel you know, TV show that's about Hawkeye, the Avenger, who's the the one with the bow and arrow who likes to shoot the things. Um, and I really like him because he doesn't have any crazy superpowers. Mm -hmm. He's just a normal guy. And, and they show him that he's a father and he's just trying to do his best in the world um, and be a good person. But there's all of these obstacles in the way that he really has to struggle with himself and with different things out there in the world to overcome. So yeah. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's cool because, and actually this ties into our, our verse for the day, in a sense, he's one of the most vulnerable, weak yeah. superheroes because mm -hmm. he doesn't have a superpower. Mm -hmm. He's just a really good archer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of, I can't remember now what movie it is, but there's a movie with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson in it, right? And somebody asks him, like, how'd you get so ripped? <laughs> and he looks at him and he says, oh, I just worked out for five hours a day every day for 20 years. Anybody can do it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and that's kind of like how Hawkeye is, right? Like he's yeah. not that anybody can do it. I don't think he's under the impression that that's true. But, but it took 
so much mm-hmm. training and work and effort to get to like where this character is yeah. and it's it adds to kind of like his cool factor but also his vulnerability that yeah. it's not something magical mystical faux sciency right that provides it to a him. spider bit him and infused it into his veins <laughs> yeah there's no gamma <laughs> rays very involved <laughs> But yeah, that vulnerability is is something that makes him more relatable. And his family, I love the way yeah. that his family is so much part of the story now. Too. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into the meat of the episode. I'm really excited for this. I'm excited for the premise of this whole season of just hearing about those bits of the word of God or inspiration from the saints, those things that really can inspire our sisters and Um, any of our listeners or people that come into contact with our mission to just kind of understand a little bit better what it means to be Catholic, what it means to live in the experience of the love of God, um, to know kind of what it is that he desires for our lives. And I love hearing about the different um, quotes versus, you know, whatever it is, content that people kind of are able to pull like almost nutrition from like mm-hmm. some kind of like something from that I might not have ever gotten from that passage on my own. Right. And so that's kind of like what we want to do with these. And these are not y'all. These are not intended to be exhaustive. Like we could <laughs> probably have a whole season on each of these verses. So one of the things that I would really love is as you hear um, what we have to share, just to be thinking about like, what is there that's maybe standing out to you? Yeah about this verse or about the content or even about like how it stirs our hearts. And if you are interested in sharing that with us on social media, we would love to hear about that and kind of keep a conversation going. Um, If you have some people that you could get together with and form a group and do your own sharings about it, like that would be phenomenal. We would love to hear about that happening. Um, And if you got a group together, you're cool. That's really cool. And also, I think it would be really fun to, like, hear back from y'all. And I don't know, maybe we'd, like, read out some of your thoughts or some of your um, things that you might share. Like, if anything felt like it would kind of apply or that other people would really get benefit from it, you know? Like, if you share it with us and you think that it's a, and you give us permission to, to share that online um, or to share it in the next podcast, like, we would probably love to do that, too. Yeah probably love to do that i think we i would love to probably. do that yeah, <laughs> depends on how awesome your thoughts are <laughs> your thoughts must be this cool no i'm just kidding no but it's it's really fascinating to me the different ways that the holy spirit can stir using the same material yeah. in, in different hearts mm. and that's just like kind of the whole point so sister orianne that was a very long introduction <laughs> but what is your verse that you have for us today okay My verse is from 2 Corinthians, so Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, and it's verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. And those are Jesus' words to Paul. Yeah, this is, for me, this is such a powerful verse, and it's powerful on its own, but especially in the context that Paul is sharing it in, in this chapter, that like, He has what he's describing as a thorn in the flesh, like something's going wrong with him. And he asks, he says he begs the Lord like over and over about it. And that's what the Lord's response to him is, Mm -hmm. that his grace is enough for him. Yeah, this is such a rich passage and a a rich passage. And um, 
I love that you started immediately with the context because the very first word in all of my notes is context. And it's like in all caps and underlined. (laughs) (laughs) All of the different things that are going on for him in this moment. Because it's the thorn in his flesh, which like some of the church doctors and church fathers have talked about it as if it were, it could be a person in his life that's causing (laughs) trouble. It could be um, some temptation or sin that he's struggling with. Mm -hmm. It could be an illness or... Um, like there, one of the fathers of the church posited that it might be like chronic fatigue or something, mm-hmm. you know, like it could be any of these things. And what I kind of love is that he didn't tell us. Yeah. So we can each kind of put our own thorn into that verse and, um, and make the prayer our own. So that's really cool. Yeah. I think it's, to me, it is such a blessing that he never told us what mm-hmm. his thorn was. And I know a lot of people get caught up on it, like speculating, but what was it? Like, what was his thorn? Could have but- been a literal thorn. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. He could have fought. I mean, he went through a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. It could have been yeah, a real I'm thorn. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> He's like, guys, I told you. <laughs> it was a thorn <laughs> in my flesh. <laughs> but I think the fact that we can, like, Paul allows us the space and Christ because Paul talks very stream of conscious in his letters. You can tell he's dictating a lot of them. The fact that Jesus inspired him to word it that way so that we could pray with this in this way and put our own in there and hear Jesus speak those words to us with our thorn and us begging him to take it away yeah, and to free us from it in the way that we think of freedom. He's like redefining freedom for us and he's redefining healing and he's redefining who he is in our life. Mm. Um. I really love that. I think my first encounter with this verse, not the first time I read it. I mean, I'd read it plenty of times. But um, when I was a kid growing up in Winnipeg, Manitoba, I think I was six years old. Me and my brother, my brother and I, (laughs) um, we were like tobogganing because winter there is super cold. We get enough snow and even the hills aren't very high. But when you're little, they seem pretty high. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it is the prairie. So actually, they're not very high. <laughs> um, but my brother and I were tobogganing and we had like this little GT, you know, the little GT cruisers and they have a little steering wheel. And we had the really bright idea that we were going to go down the hill backwards oh. and that I would be the eyes and my brother would be the brakes. So if we had to stop, I would shout break and he would break. And it seemed like a really perfect plan at the time. And because the hill actually wasn't that big, my dad was not concerned at all that we were doing that because there was so much space between everyone there and everyone else was with their parents on their toboggan. So like the adults would be able to steer them clear, whatever. So we're going down. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I'm turned around watching behind me. And all of a sudden, I see like coming towards us, this toboggan that is not in control. And it's like going sideways, like cutting into our path. Oh, no. And I'm six. So I start screaming into the wind, which I had not factored in at six years of age. <laughs> break, 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 break. And my brother did hear me eventually, and he did slam on the brakes, but it was too late. And we hit the toboggan, and there was this really little kid on the toboggan. Oh, and he no. was with, like, someone who seemed like an adult to us. Honestly, he was probably a teenager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we, like, flipped their toboggan. And the little kid, I mean, he was fine, but, like, he was screaming. I think he was really scared. Sure. Um, And my dad, like, booked it down that hill to make sure that this kid was okay. 
probably because, again, he was with a teenager, not an adult like we thought he was. (laughs) But I remember in that moment, like, I was so scared that even though I knew that I should stay with that kid who was either in pain or afraid, and I knew that because I was an older sibling, like I would have done that for my brothers, I ran away. Mm. I ran and I hid until that moment was over because I didn't know what to do with it. And I remember growing up, that memory never left me. Like I Mm. always felt guilty for that, like deeply guilty, like the kind of guilt that would like wake you up because you were feeling adrenaline rushes kind of guilty. And I knew that I had failed in that moment. And I didn't have confession in my life because I was not Catholic (laughs) at that point. And so, like, I really didn't know what to do with that. And I did, like, I prayed for forgiveness, obviously. um, But that feeling wouldn't go away, even though I knew that I was forgiven. And it wasn't until, like, years later, and I still felt guilty about this, like, years later, when I started kind of inviting God into that memory and, like, praying for the kid that we hit, even though I knew he was okay and probably grown up and probably didn't remember any of it, (laughs) like, praying for God to be with that child, praying for God to be with me. Mm. And I remember when we watched the movie, I forget what it's called now, Paul, Apostle of Christ. It's like fairly recent. Like it came out, I think, when we were in postulancy, so maybe four years ago. 2017, Mm -hmm. 2018. Yeah, Jim Caviezel's in it, but he's Mm -hmm. not Paul. (laughs) Which took me a moment to figure out when we were watching the movie. (laughs) That's not Jim Caviezel. (laughs) But I remember there was this scene where they portray what Paul is writing about here, and they portray his thorn as his guilt Mm. at what he had done to the Christians when he was persecuting them. Oh, right. And there's this moment where he's having a nightmare about it. And, like, he wakes up, and you know from the nightmare he must just feel sick. Like the stoning of of Stephen is a theme throughout the whole film. Yeah. Yeah. And you can just tell he wakes up, like, sick with guilt. Mm -hmm. And his first words are, your grace is sufficient for me. Mm. And I realized watching that movie in that moment that that's what God had done for me in my to heal that memory of a huge failing that I had had, even though it was six, like it was a failing and I knew it was real um, to heal. That was assuring me that his grace was enough. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. And it's also <laughs> super relatable because I think each of us is sitting here thinking of our own memory of this yeah. thing that gives us anxiety that probably nobody else would have ever imagined mm-hmm. that it had that effect on us yeah. or would have ever um, expected us to feel guilt over or. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So relatable. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I actually had a very similar experience. I'm not going to tell you what made me feel content, <laughs> but it was like, yeah, for years I carried it with me. And it was mm-hmm. when I was a pretty young teenager, maybe like 13 or 14, that I realized that like, if I really believe in the sacrament of confession, that like I did the thing, I confessed my sins, I'm really sorry for them. And I went to confession that like God said he would forgive me. And like, mm-hmm. I remember the first time I realized, like, I don't feel forgiven, but I can trust that grace and that sacrament, like even as a 13 or 14 year old, like, and that just brought so much freedom just to trust that, like, yeah, that grace it like, I don't need to earn it. Yeah. You know, I just have to like be all in and, and God responds by giving the grace back. And that's like what this passage is all about. That Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. And he's not stingy with grace. No. He's never, he wants <laughs> to give us grace. Yeah. And I think that that's like such an important thing to remember that it doesn't matter if we deserve his grace or if we earn it or whatever it is. It, it's really like more about who Jesus is than who we are of like, he's going to give the grace because that's who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I think part of this, I mean, the whole idea of like there being power in our weakness is like so contrary to our every instincts. Like we want to yeah. grasp it, like being strong and being able to do things, even like within the apostolate, within working for the church. Like we want to grasp it like I want to do this great thing for God to show you my love, God, like, right. you know, or or like it's just so natural to kind of think in that way about it. And for God to tell us, like, for Jesus just to say, no, but actually my power is perfected in your weakness mm -hmm. is, ugh, it's like so vulnerable. And it's also almost frustrating. Like, <laughs> but yeah. I don't want to be weak. I want to do all these cool things for you. Mm -hmm. And um, I was reminded as I was reflecting on that. Do you guys remember when um, uh, Primo Meister, the, our, our founder, was talking about, he wrote about the the first time that the co-foundress entered the community and his <laughs> the thing that he writes about her and she ended up being just like an absolute powerhouse and we yeah. would not be the congregation that we are without her and the sisters speak with her speak about her with such affection and warmth and just as if she's just like larger than life right but i loved that when he wrote about her this is after she had died he said she entered and as her first act fell sick yep <laughs> I just was like, that is so fantastic. And that's because, what he remembered. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And people had been telling him, don't choose her. She's too ill. Yeah. She's just going to cost the congregation money and time and yeah. effort. She's mm -hmm. not going to be able to do what you're asking. And sure enough, she enters and she falls sick. Mm -hmm. And still, like, God worked through that. And God did so much through her. Like, I am so grateful for her and for the writings that she gave us mm -hmm. and for just kind of the heart that she imbued the congregation with as a foundress. And um, and she would not have been who she was. In fact, she would have entered some other community yes. younger in life had she not had this illness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so just the way that God's able to work through all of that is like sometimes is so annoying. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> and then that you see so something beautiful. like that and you're like, Oh, wow. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. That is so beautiful that you were able to do that there. Mm -hmm. And she was always so humble her whole life because she knew that from her own abilities, she really couldn't do the things that she was doing. Like, like mm -hmm. that's the reassuring thing about, like, we don't have to be strong. Mm -hmm. Like, it's OK that we can be weak. And then we really know that it's God doing it, not us, because like through our natural abilities, like there's no way that some of the things that happen, like the things that happen in her life, the things that happen in our life, like they wouldn't have happened if God wasn't around doing like pulling the strings and, yeah. and like helping things along. So I think that it's like you see her humility and that humility led her to deeper love. Like it wasn't a self-deprecating mm -hmm. kind of thing or mm -hmm. like I'm worthless. You know, I don't matter. God can dispose of me however he wants. Like it's more like I'm surrendered to God whom I love. And mm -hmm. like really God does amazing things with that surrender of love. Yeah. And I think when we realize it, it can be very tempting, especially like if someone's really talented and like really gifted and really professional and has everything put together, that is when our greatest temptations come mm -hmm. because we start to forget that all of those things are from God. Yeah, every <laughs> bit of it is not gift. Actually ours. Yeah, exactly. They're not actually ours. And those are the moments where we have to really be grounded back in prayer because we need to remember that like even in those, the only reason those count for anything is because of this grace that Paul's talking about. Like even in talent and success, 
It's the grace that is sufficient. It's the grace that is enough. It's the grace that is life-giving. It's not actually you. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. It's like, it's mm-hmm. it's the grace that God is pouring into you. And sometimes like we kind of almost need to have an experience where we remember that actually I have a thorn in my flesh or like I am weak in order to remember that it's through that, that God's power is being perfected. And I think like having gone through experiences like that, even that particular memory that I shared, because of that memory and because of having to grapple with it and because of, um, you know, my ability to look back and see how God guided me through it, that allows me then to have a deeper understanding of other people's pain when they're sharing a guilt that they can't shake. You know, when they're struggling, they know that God is a forgiving God, but they can't feel it and they don't know what to do. It's only because that I've been there. It's only because I've felt that weakness and helplessness and realized how God was pouring his grace and his strength through that, Mm. that I can understand that. Otherwise, I never would be able to. So God really helps us to reach out and minister to others through our experiences of weakness and failure. Yeah. There's something about St. Paul that's so relatable in this passage, too, because like um, I know I've definitely spent time praying and begging and crying and asking God for healing and some thing, you know, I mean, I can call to mind multiple times when this has happened, but just like some temptation that I'm struggling with or some illness or some something, you know, and just all of the desire for him to just be powerful and fix it and Mm -hmm. do the thing that fixes it. And um, I remember at one point I was feeling really discouraged because I had been reading through the Gospels and I came to the passage, I think it's in Luke, where the uh, leper comes to Jesus and says, um, if you wish, you can make me clean. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, I do will it be made clean. And there was just something almost devastating in that, that it was like, that is not my experience. Mm. Jesus, you do not wish to make me clean. You do not wish to help me. You do not wish to enter into this place with me. Mm. But then when I sit and I pray a little bit with St. Paul's experience and hearing Jesus answer and realizing that in between these two encounters with Jesus, the leper and Paul, is the cross. Yeah. Right? Like Jesus enters into the mystery of the cross and brings all of us with him to that point. And it changes what it means to be healed. Mm-hmm. And it changes what it means to, um, to have God's power active in our lives because it all now has to flow through the cross. And uh, the part of his ministry when he was doing what he was doing, you know, was, was one part. And that does remain a part of, you know, the, the mission of the church and how he acts in people's lives, but it's not the primary way anymore. Mm. You know, like he is able to work through the mystery and through the cross and through the suffering even more than in kind of the, I don't know, it almost feels like superficial ways that some healings can be enacted, that he's able to do something deeper. Yeah, because in so many of the healings too, I can't remember exactly at what point in the gospel this one happens, but it's in it's in um, Zebedee's house, and they lower the guy through the roof, mm-hmm. and um, which I'm sure it was a very dramatic moment, 
<laughs> like, why are you on my roof? <laughs> At least messy. Why yeah. are you dismantling my roof? <laughs> yeah. Can you can you put it? It's going to rain. <laughs> but like the first thing he said to that man was not mm-hmm. pick up your mat and walk. It was your sins yeah. are forgiven. Yeah. And I, I think that he shows us in that moment the, the necessary order of healing. We don't always receive healing in that in that order because sometimes we're not ready for that order. Sometimes we need a physical like precipitation of a deeper healing. And and he shows that even today that does happen to people. Mm-hmm. But to show us that he wants us to be healed holistically, like all of us, and it 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 has to culminate in our in our soul's healing so that we can enter into this death and resurrection with him to live forever healthy and whole. Yeah. With him. Yeah. yeah. And that he knows what the benefit of either holding off on that particular healing or letting it just wait till heaven right. or whatever is. And we mm-hmm. can't see it, but he can. Yeah. And we can trust him in that because we know he's good and we know he loves us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that something I really like about this passage of St. Paul with the thorn is that, like, the longer I live life in all my many years of wisdom, <laughs> the longer I live life, the more I realize there's always another thorn. Yeah. Like we mm. might beg Jesus to take out this thorn that's bothering me this week, but next week there'll be something else. <laughs> and like, you know, next month, next year, there will always be something else. Yeah. And I so often do this in my prayer where I think, oh, if only I didn't have this health problem right now, or if only I didn't have this difficult decision to make in my work or whatever it is, um, then I would really be able to focus on my prayer and spend time with Jesus and grow the way I need to. And it would all be awesome. And like, that's not how it works. Like Jesus is inviting us really to let him work through the thorns. And like, there's always going to be another problem on the horizon, but Jesus is there with us. And St. Paul is sharing that like, God never leaves us. And that is not an obstacle to having a relationship with him, to growing spiritually. Like no matter what thorn we have, we can become a saint the way that St. Paul became a saint. And it's hard on the human level to like ignore or look past all of our our sufferings, but God isn't asking us to ignore them or look past them. He's asking them to bring them to him. So I think that that's, it's very difficult, but, and it takes a lifetime of practice, but we have a really good example with St. Paul. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And I think, and you had referenced this earlier, Sister Allison, like there really is a temptation for us to want to earn God's love and approval and grace, but it's like, just, it's not, we can't earn it. We can think we're earning it, but we're not. (laughs) And it's Mm -hmm. actually, it's because of those thorns that the second person of the Trinity was incarnated as a man to save us. Like we wouldn't need a savior if we never had any thorns of mm-hmm. any kind. You know, I think that that can be a very difficult reality to grapple with when we're being pierced by a thorn. And it's really important, I think, not to minimize that. We can't, we can't readily accept those things as good in and of themselves because I mean, often they're not like, a habitual sin is not a good thing um, or or any other kind of like, you know, disintegration or like disease or whatever. Those things aren't good in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. But when the Lord, like we have that thing at Easter, we say, oh, happy fault. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, happy fault. Not because it was good, not because it was happy, but because of the Lord's response to it. That's where our joy comes from. 
that because of that, God didn't say, oh my gosh, are you serious? I'm done with these people. Like, forget it. No, it like, won for us so great a savior. Exactly. Right? Like, that's the next line. Yeah. That was his response. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because St. Paul, I made a joke earlier about the literal thorn thing, but <laughs> Jesus actually did have literal thorns yes, in yeah. his head. Like, that yeah. is in the scripture. And I think to think of like those thorns that he wears on his crown are the ones that we suffer in our lives. Like he came, he was incarnated and became man so that he could suffer what we suffer. And so whatever we're going through, we know that he's there with us and he has more thorns than we do in that sense. And so he doesn't ask us to do anything that he didn't already do and and that he's not going to redeem in the end. And he's going to bring us to heaven like eventually, you know, that that's where we're going. We're going someplace where these thorns will not no longer cause us that kind of affliction. And so I think just that comfort of knowing that like Jesus is suffering with us through the crown of thorns and through through all of the passion that he suffered. And he did that because he loves us, you know, mm-hmm. and that's that's more comforting than any thorn removal that God could <laughs> contrive for us, I think. I think a lot of the times we we look at the cross and we think, what a beautiful love. Mm. But in reality, we don't want a savior. Mm-hmm. We, Or rather, let me nuance that, we don't want a suffering servant savior. Yeah. Actually, we struggle with the same thing that um, the, the people to whom Jesus came 2,000 years ago struggled with when they were like, I don't know, man, like, I believe you're the savior, but are you? because this is weird, you know, even and that was before the cross. And then when he was crucified, everybody almost ran away. But mm-hmm. they're like, no way. He can't mm-hmm. protect us now. He, What is he going to do? Nothing. He's dead. And I think that we actually we can look back and be like, how did you not see he was the savior? Like, why were you expecting a king? That's exactly what we are expecting, too. We want someone who's going to go to battle for us and protect us and keep us in our little walls so we can do our happy little thing. We are not prepared very often to walk the way of the cross with the suffering servant, to be with the shepherd who sacrifices himself for the sheep. We're not like we struggle to accept that radical of a love because it's vulnerable. And we're afraid that if we're going to accept that vulnerable of a love, we have to accept it with a reciprocal vulnerability, which we do. And that's where our eternal life springs from. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I think we like to think that um, if I could get over my weakness or if I could get over my failures, mm-hmm. that then I would be able to do more for God. Yeah. But it's the opposite. Yeah. And that is annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I, I just immediately am thinking of, um, the pact, the prayer that our, our founder gave us that talks about um, our kind of pact or deal with Jesus, our covenant with Jesus, where we, t- where we basically say, like, I'm nothing and I can do nothing. But if you will supply everything that I need, I'll do what you ask. Right. That's basically what that prayer says. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's trusting in the fact that because I am aware of my weaknesses and my littleness and my powerlessness, that I am better able to trust that he's going to provide it and that I can cooperate better with what he does provide rather than continuing to kind of spin my wheels and try to do it for myself. Mm -hmm. It is such a beautiful experience, too, when we're able to open ourselves up and accept 
that and mm-hmm. accept that grace, like there is such a freedom that comes with that. There is such freedom because we're not nitpicking at ourselves anymore. Like, am I good enough? Oh, yeah, I'm doing great. Oh, no, no, I'm not going to do it. Oh, no, no, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Like, we don't have to worry about those things. We're not comparing ourselves to other people anymore. I think that's something a lot of us can fall into. Like, oh, man, I wish I was like that. Mm-hmm. Shoot. <laughs> like, or like, dude, she should be more like me. Like, that's yeah. the other opposite of that. But when we're able to accept that grace in our lives and recognize when others are able to accept it in theirs, that's when we are free to rejoice, be ourselves, let other people be th- themselves, and like meet Christ in one another. Mm-hmm. And then it's not about appearances anymore. It's about the reality, which right. is the only thing that actually matters and the only thing that God cares about is the reality. Um, yeah. Like real life, like you just step into real life for the first time, basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's so easy to get caught up in all of these other things that are less important, mm-hmm. but God is inviting us to like be in reality with him. Yeah. So good. <laughs> so sh- should we go around and maybe each share like one thing that we're kind of taking away from this conversation, maybe something we're going to pray with or we- that we might, ex- you know, um, invite other people to to think about or pray with or whatever just one little takeaway yeah sure i think my takeaway is basically any any time that i'm struggling to really accept like my own failing whether it's a sin or whether it's a limitation or whether it's just a lack of something that i wish that i had to really consciously invite Jesus in, or at least allow him to invite himself in, (laughs) and to let his grace transform that whole situation and to accept that transformation um, with gratitude. I think for me, my takeaway from this conversation and, and just from praying with this passage is really like the utter faithfulness of Jesus, that he's always with us and he always will be. And like how freeing it is to trust that whatever he does with that thorn, I don't know what it is, but whatever he does with it, it will be for my good. And like to trust his, his love and his loyalty to me. Yeah. I think trust is the word that I'm, that I'm kind of taking out of this and feeling invited to kind of pray with a little bit more. A little while back, uh, I went to confession and the confessor gave me as my penance to Pray the words, Jesus, I trust in you 50 times. So basically just to go around a rosary, Mm. just saying, Jesus, I trust in you. And to hold in mind a specific thing that I wanted to entrust to him. And I found that to be a really powerful experience. I was just feeling the Lord kind of nudging me to think about doing that again. And um, to kind of let him show me what I might need to bring to that prayer. Okay, so maybe we can close with... um... A translated version of the Sushipe prayer, which comes from St. Ignatius of Loyola. Um, and Sushipe is the Latin word for receive, so being open to receive that grace. Love it. So we can pray together in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Receive my whole memory, understanding, and will. Whatever I, whatever I have or own, you have given me. I hand it all back to you and surrender it entirely to be governed by your will. Grant me only to love you. Give me this grace.
Amen. Jesus, Master, Way, Truth, and Life, have mercy on us. Mary, Queen of Apostles, pray for us. From all sin, deliver us, O Lord. Thank you so much to everybody for joining us, and we will be praying for you. We look forward to hearing your own reflections on this passage from St. Paul. Yeah, send them in. Please do. Yay. And we'll see you again in two weeks. God bless you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a fruit of the Daughters Project. This initiative of the Daughters of St. Paul to spread the gospel online is made possible by our generous Patreon supporters. Consider joining us in our mission by contributing to Patreon today. You can find us at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. God bless you.